final time this morning to Acts chapter 12 to consider the final verses here. A couple of weeks ago we considered the chapter as a whole and so we have briefly considered these final verses really as an example of the fact that the Lord knows how to deliver the godly from trials. But I did want to return to just this passage, just verses 20 through 24, to really focus upon the death of Herod. Because here in this text, there is this connection between the glory of God and judgment. And at first glance, it is a very curious connection. What is the connection? What is the relationship between the glory of God and judgment? Or we might ask the question this way, how is God glorified here in the death of Herod? And what is it here for God's people that would cause our hearts to rejoice, even here in God's word? We're going to focus our attention this morning upon the king of glory, and as you might have guessed, that is not King Herod. But by way of contrast, we will look upon the king, King Jesus. Let's give our careful attention now to the reading of God's Holy Word. We'll begin at verse 20 and read through verse 24. This is the Word of God. Now Herod was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, and they came to him with one accord, and having persuaded Blastus, the king's chamberlain, they asked for peace, because their country depended on the king's country for food. On an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes, took his seat upon the throne and delivered an oration to them. And the people were shouting, The voice of a God and not of a man. Immediately an angel of the Lord struck him down, because he did not give God the glory. And he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. But the word of God increased and multiplied. Amen. This is the word of God. You were created for glory. You were created for glory. And this is one of the most fundamental or foundational ideas that you need to understand about your life. You were created for glory. When God gave you life, he planted within you, within your soul, a deep longing for glory. Augustine famously wrote about this longing for glory, saying, Great are you, O Lord, and exceedingly worthy of praise. Your power is immense and your wisdom beyond reckoning. And so we men who are a due part of your creation long to praise you. We also carry our mortality about with us, carry the evidence of our sin and with it the proof that you thwart the proud. Yet you arouse us so that, our, so that praising you may bring us joy Because you have made us for yourself, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. You were made for glory. And to be more specific, you were made for the glory of God. And that is what this passage is about. This foundational principle is behind everything that we consider here surrounding the death of King Herod. King Herod was a man who longed for glory. And that is, after all, why he took to himself this praise that is due to God alone. 
He did that because he longed for glory. And to be more specific, he did that because sin and temptation distorted that God-given longing for glory. Genesis 3 teaches us that this is actually one of the key components in temptation. Do you remember how Satan tempted Eve into taking the forbidden fruit? He began by casting doubt upon the word of God. Did God really say? And then he lied to sever any ties between sin and the consequences of sin. He said to Eve, you will not surely die. But then on top of it all, he made a very powerful appeal to this God-given longing for glory when he said, when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. What is that? Well, that is an appeal to glory. Satan offered to Eve an empty promise of what her soul longed for, what her soul was created for. Genesis 3 tells us that the serpent was more crafty than any other creature that God had made. Well, this most crafty creature lied in his temptation in order to twist and to distort that God-given desire of her heart. Essentially, the serpent drew near to Eve and offered to her another way or a quicker way to what God was intending to give to her anyway. And so as you know, Adam and Eve were deceived into taking the forbidden fruit, and through that deceptive promise of glory, everyone descended from Adam and Eve has suffered with that same distorted longing for glory. Anytime you and I sin, we have been deceived with an empty promise of glory. And that is what we see here in our text. Herod is a descendant of Adam, suffering from the same effects of the fall. And we meet a man whose longing for glory leads to his destruction. And because we are like Herod, we can learn from his example. You see, as sons and daughters of Adam and Eve, we suffer similarly from a distorted uh, distortion of that God-given desire or longing for glory. And so, what we need this text for is to cause us first to see and to appreciate the deceptive nature of sin and temptation, and then to turn our attention to its solution, to turn our attention to the glorious gospel of King Jesus. And so those two ideas will be our consideration this morning. So let's begin with the first. Let's consider first the deception of King Herod. King Herod was a man, again, seeking after glory. And this chapter reveals a number of ways in which he was deceived by temptation into seeking after glory through the empty promises of sin. The chapter begins by telling us of how Herod laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. As king, Herod believed that glory was to be found in his own exaltation. And so he positioned himself with the Jews as the defender of their faith. And that is why he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. He thought that his misuse of his authority would bring to him glory. Now this did please the people and it gave him a degree of glory, but it was not enough. You see, sin never delivers. And that is why Herod goes on to arrest Peter. 
intending to do the same to Peter, only this time more publicly. Killing James brought Herod a glimpse of glory in the form of an artificial imitation, but then that temptation had to follow up immediately with another offer to pursue sin. And so believing the lie once again, Herod arrests Peter. Notice here how Herod's pursuit of glory mirrors Satan's first temptation. King Herod believes that the word of God has no real bearing upon his life. King Herod also believes that lie that says that sin will not have consequences. And King Herod believes that our innate longing for glory can be satisfied in some way apart from the glory of God. King Herod is an example of what it looks like when one is deceived by sin. And King Herod is also an example of what happens when sin progresses or when sin grows. In this chapter, we see how one who is hardened through the deceitfulness of sin can continue to pursue sin, even as that sin never, ever delivers what it promises. Notice here in our text how Herod is empty. His emptiness is displayed as he goes down to Caesarea. He is angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon. His life of sin has left him empty, and he takes out his anger now on his own people. Well, the story tells us that because they depend upon the king's country for food, the people of Tyre and Sidon organize a hearing with King Herod. The Jewish historian Josephus tells us that when Herod gave this oration, he was dressed in a garment made of silver. And so when the sun's rays reflected off him as he gave his oration, he radiated brilliantly. And so the people come flattering him, saying, The voice of a God and not of a man. But can you hear the echo of Satan's temptation? You will not surely die, but you will be like God. King Herod hears the praises of the people. They praise him as if he is a God. And because of the deception of sin, he receives it. He basks in it. But Isaiah 42 says, I am the Lord, that is my name, and I will not give my glory to another. God says, I am the Lord, that is my name, and I will not give my glory to another. And that is why the text tells us that immediately an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give God the glory, and he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. Josephus tells us that immediately King Herod was struck with violent pain in his belly, and then after five days of severe suffering, he died. And so this passage is a graphic illustration of what God said. He will not share his glory with another. This passage is a graphic illustration of what happens to anyone who seeks after glory by taking to himself what belongs to God alone. The life of pursuing glory apart from God will always end in judgment. When we consider King Herod, it is so easy for us to put Herod into a certain category. And it doesn't really matter what that category is, so long as it is a category different from the kinds of categories we place ourselves into. After all, look at how sinful Herod is. 
He kills James with the sword. He arrests Peter, intending to do the same. And he takes the praises that are due to God alone to himself. But we need to see here that we are actually much more like King Herod than we are different from him. When Adam and Eve were deceived in the garden, they doubted the word of God. They disregarded that warning that was meant for their protection, and they reached out their hands to take what, what did not belong to them, seeking to be like God, and then they passed down that same sin nature to each of us. Brothers and sisters, the same sin that we see alive in Herod in our text That same sin that brought him down to judgment is the same sin that you and I struggle with. Do you see in King Herod the similarities of the ways in which you struggle with sin? You see, apart from the work of God's grace in our hearts, you and I will live as if God's word has no bearing upon our lives. Apart from God's gracious dealings with us, you and I will live as if sin has no consequences. And apart from the mercy of God to us in Christ, you and I would seek to satisfy that God-giving longing for glory. We would seek to satisfy it apart from God. And God says, I am the Lord. That is my name and I will not give my glory to another. Whenever we sin, we reach out our hands to take what does not belong to us. And in that taking, we actually do what Herod did. We make ourselves out to be God. You see, King Herod does not belong in a category different from you or me. Instead, we need to see that because of the deceitfulness of sin, we are actually all the same. Our sins may differ by degree. Our sins may differ by degree only because they might differ because of opportunity, but essentially they are the same. Our sin is so deceitful, in fact, that we might be able to see this sin in King Herod. We may be able to see this sin in others, but we might excuse ourselves. But God's word is as clear as it is sober, and God will not share his glory with another. And what we see here in this text What we see here happening to King Herod is what will happen to everyone who elevates themselves by way of sin to take the place of God. In the end, every sinner apart from Christ will be brought down to judgment. The text tells us that Herod was immediately struck down because he did not give God the glory and he was eaten by worms. And then he breathed his last. Well, the language of that text is reminiscent of what Jesus said in Mark 9, 48, when he described hell as a place where the worm does not die and where the fire is not quenched. Herod's earthly end casts our thoughts to that greater judgment that awaits every sinner apart from Christ. And it is a judgment that is without end. And so God in his wisdom sets King Herod before us so that we might see in him and recognize and appreciate in him the deceitfulness of sin. We are to see Herod as a mirror to see ourselves because this passage applies to us all. Some of us need this passage to awaken us from a state 
of deception? Are you presently living as if the word of God has no bearing upon your life? Are you presently living as if there is no connection between your sin and the promised judgment? Are you still pursuing the empty promises of sin as temptation entices you through that distortion of your God-given longing for glory? Now, it may be that you know Christ today. It may be that you are presently delivered from your slavery to sin, and yet maybe you still have come under the sway of sin through its deceptive efforts. Perhaps knowing Christ, you are still seeking after glory by not seeking it in Christ, but seeking it apart from Him. Temptation has deceived you, offering to you glory found in another way. Glory found not by glorifying God, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, but in taking things to yourself, making yourself out to be God. Well, no matter where we all might be, the answer remains the same. We need the King of glory. And so that brings us this morning to our second consideration. Let's consider, secondly, the glory of of King Jesus. I've often said that one of the most important questions that you can ask and answer when, you, when it comes to the Word of God is, in what sense? In what sense? Let's ask and answer that question now in relationship to what we've been considering because here in our text we have this most graphic illustration of Isaiah 42. I am the Lord, that is my name, and I will not give my glory to another. In what sense? In what sense will God not give his glory to another? What exactly does that mean? And the reason why we need to ask and answer that question is because of what we find throughout Scripture. We need to consider Isaiah 42 within the balance of Scripture. And so listen first to 2 Thessalonians 2.14 and consider the glory of what God's Word says. To this He called you through our gospel so that you may obtain to the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. To this he called you through the gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Doesn't your soul leap when you hear those words? Consider what Jesus said when he was praying in John chapter 17. He said, the glory that you have given me, I have given them. And he continued in his prayer saying, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with with me where I am to see my glory. You see, when we consider Isaiah 42 within the balance of Scripture, we begin to see that God will not give his glory to another in a certain sense, and yet gloriously he will give his glory to others in another sense. No, God will not give his glory to another in the sense that no one will ever reach out their hand to take to themselves that glory that belongs to God alone. It cannot be taken by sinful man. 
The temptation of Satan has always been an empty lie. Every time temptation comes and offers you some imitation of glory, it is always an empty lie, and it will always leave you empty. Sin will not make you like God. Instead, it will make you the exact opposite. But here the glory of the gospel shines brightly into a world darkened by sin because we see that it is through the gospel of Jesus Christ that we actually come to know and to partake of the glory of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Let's just for a moment right now consider the glory of Jesus Christ, our King, by way of a contrast here in our text. In King Herod, we see the deception of self-exaltation. Herod was deceived by sin and thought glory was going to be found by exalting himself. But what do we have in King Jesus? In King Jesus, we see the glory of his humiliation. Philippians 2, though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man. And there we see the glory of King Jesus. Consider the glory of his humiliation. In King Herod, in our text, we see the deception of a king who lords his authority over his subjects. He was deceived by sin and thought glory was to be had in the way that he exercised his power. We'll consider King Jesus by contrast. Because in Christ we see the glory of a king who came not to be served, but to serve. In King Herod we see the deception of a king who takes life. He thought that he would attain to glory through the killing of James and then through the subsequent attempts to kill Peter. He thought that he he would find glory through this distortion due to sin. But then in King Jesus, we see the glory of a king who laid down his life for his own. Greater love is no one than this, than one would lay down his life for his friends. And by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. Consider the glory of King Jesus. In King Herod, we have a king who sinfully inflicted suffering upon others. But in King Jesus, we see the glory of a king who came to endure suffering for his people. Consider the glory of King Jesus. Isaiah 53. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. That is the suffering that you and I deserve rightfully. If justice were to be done, that is what we deserve. But Jesus is a glorious king because he came to take that suffering to himself. And then finally, in King Herod, we see the deception of a king who exalted himself. And who of us does not know the same sin? We believe that glory is going to be found in our own exaltation, but consider the glory of King Jesus. He humbled himself. And what happened? Well, he was exalted by the Father to the highest place. 
So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is what your soul was created for. This desire for glory that God has put within your heart, it will be satisfied nowhere else but in the King of glory. The deceitfulness of sin promises you a glory that it will never, ever deliver. You were created for glory. Listen to Isaiah 43. God says, but now, thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Fear not, for I am with you, and I will bring your offspring from the east and from the west. I will gather you. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, everyone whom I created for my glory, everyone whom I formed and made. Your greatest longing is for the glory of God. And God is glorified in your salvation. And through that salvation, you actually become a partaker of the glory of God. But don't take my word for it. Take the word of God. Again, 2 Thessalonians 2. To this he called you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. You may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. It even begins in this life, 2 Corinthians 3.18, and we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord. We are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. And then it will be finished In eternity, Romans 8, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, so that he he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. 1 John 3, 2, beloved, we are God's, God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. That's talking about the resurrected, risen, glorified Christ. You will be like him. Matthew Henry wrote, Whenever... Wherever the gospel comes, it calls and invites men to the obtaining of glory. It is a call to honor and happiness, even the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. The glory he has purchased and the glory he is possessed of to be communicated unto those who believe in him and obey his gospel. Such shall be with Christ to behold his glory And they shall be glorified with Christ and partake of his glory. This is what you were created for. And in the gospel, this 
will be yours. This is the glory of the gospel of King Jesus, and Jesus is the king of glory. Again, here in our text, we see that God will not give his glory to another. God has created all for his glory, but he will not allow any to reach out and to take that glory for themselves. Are you seeking glory in anything other than the king of glory? Because your glory, that glory that your soul longs for, it is found in him alone. Jesus is the king of glory because in order to glorify himself and then to make many others partakers of that glory, he revealed the glory of God in his glorious incarnation, service, suffering, substitutionary death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and even now his intercession at the right hand of the Father. He has done all of these things. Why? So that he may bring many sons to glory. And what is most glorious of all is it is free. You cannot reach out your hand to take the glory of God, but it is offered to you freely in Jesus Christ. That thing that your soul is striving and longing for, it is offered to you in the gospel. It is offered to you in Jesus Christ. And so I want to close by just asking one question, which is how are we to respond? And I want to give you two ways. There are two ways that we are to respond. The first is to believe. Believe upon the glorious King Jesus. Believe upon him for the salvation of your soul and for an eternity filled with glory. Believe upon Jesus Christ even in this life as temptation continues to seek to turn you to other imitations of glory. Say no to those. Believe upon Christ and behold his glory. Which brings us to the second. Believing upon the Lord Jesus Christ to the salvation of your soul and receiving the promise of glory, worship him. How do we respond? We respond in worship. We ascribe to him all glory and honor and praise. You may say, what does that look like? Well, the word of God teaches us. Revelation chapter 4 Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. There the 24, or the, the 24 elders fall down. They have been given these crowns of glory. And what did they do? They take those crowns and they cast them at the feet of the king of glory. And they worship him saying, worthy are you, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor, and power. This is where your soul will be satisfied. This is where you will know that glory that you were created for. And the other picture of this is Revelation chapter 7. 
And after this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Why are we to worship? Well, because apart from the gospel of Jesus Christ and its sovereign application to us by God through his spirit, you and I would be King Herod. We would pursue glory apart from God right down to our own deaths. And we too would be eaten by worms and consumed by a fire that is never quenched. But thank God for the king of glory. He will not share his glory with another because he will never let anyone take it from him. But all glory be to this king of glory because it gives it to you. He gives it to you all of grace so that we sinners are saved from the deceitfulness of sin by the king of glory, becoming those many sons brought to glory. Let us worship him. Let's pray together. Our gracious God in heaven, Lord Jesus, the king of glory, we worship you. We ascribe to you all glory and honor and praise. We confess to you our sin. We confess to you that we are just like Herod, deceived by sin and often turning through the deception of temptation, turning to imitations, thinking that glory is to be had in in some sinful misuse of all of the good things that you have given. And we come praising your name because in your word you have shown us again that as you have created us for glory, you give it to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Cause us to believe and not doubt. Cause us to fight temptation with all that is given to us in Christ, accepting no imitation, seeing instead in the glory that is ours in Jesus Christ, how sin loses its powerful pull upon us. Cause us by faith to fix our eyes upon you, the King of glory. That according to your promise, we may be made into your image from one degree of glory to another. 
May this world look upon us and see those who have been captured and captivated by the revelation of your glory in Jesus Christ. May they find in us those who love the King of glory, whose affections have left this world because we are longing for the glories of another. And Lord, we thank you that these things are ours in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That though we sin and continue to need to be called back by your word and by your grace, that these things are secure, that these things are ours in Jesus Christ. Will you glorify yourself by making yourself the greatest joy and delight of every heart here? Do this to the praise and glory of your name, for we pray it in Christ. Amen.